Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. And Michael Sweet from Striper returns to Talk is Jericho today. He's got a new solo album, One-Sided War. It's out today, and it is heavy. It's it's, uh, probably one of the heaviest things he's ever done. If you like some great classic heavy metal, this is the album for you. You're going to head over to Amazon. Use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links to pick that up. You're going to get yourself some great new music and help support your favorite podcast in the process, right? And uh, in return, we're going to talk to Michael about the new solo record. He's got Joel Hoekstra of White Snake playing on it. Uh, Another great guitar player, Ethan Brosh, is there. He brought in drummer Will Hunt from Evanescence and Black Label Society. Bassist John O'Boyle. He's got a hell of a rocking band. Uh, This album is super heavy, like I said. I think you're really going to dig it. Plus, Michael's talking about Striper's future, whether they'll be doing another studio record, how prolific he is with his songwriting. Of course, the uh, news everyone's talking about, the 30th anniversary of the To Hell with the Devil album. It's the album that made them a household name, the album that uh, made me a Striper fan. Well, actually, I like Soldiers Under Command as well, although Richard Christie and Howard Jones, my little uh, Christian metal group text, they love to hell with the devil. Michael's got stories about making that album, how quickly things changed once they got some love from mainstream rock radio and MTV. And they're going to talk about the tour. They're wearing the old costumes. Uh, They had to take them out a bit in some cases and revamp them a little bit. But it's going to be a hell of a good time with Michael Sweet today from Striper. All right, so uh, I'm here with uh, in I don't know downtown Rhode Island or something, but it's always funny. Michael Sweet is with me in a Hawaiian shirt and super California accent, still living here in uh, in the Boston, New England area. It's so funny for me that you still uh, that you're here. You know what's funny about this Hawaiian shirt is my dad wears these. Oh yeah, and he's worn these for years and. Uh, I think I'm turning into my dad, man. I really do. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that, that is? Like you, like I saw a picture the other day, and I looked exactly like my dad when he was like my age. And I was like, "Holy smokes! I never thought I looked like my dad until I saw this picture." I think, I think what it is sometimes for us is subconsciously. Obviously, we look up to our dads, right? Of course, you know. But at the same time, you don't want to dress like your dad, or you know what I mean. So, but. I'm starting to dress like my dad, you know, so, hey, my dad's a cool guy, so I'll take it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you're up in New England, though, and you've been here for 20 years or so, and that was originally for different reasons. I know you were doing, like, you know, Forest Ranger and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, originally what happened was uh, the plan was to move back here. Uh, to start over regarding raising our kids. Okay. We just wanted to get out of the area we were in. We were in Orange. I, my wife makes fun of me for how I say Orange. Orange County. What do you, what do you, what do you say? Orange. Orange. That's not bad. But anyway. It's a California um, accent. It's a California thing. So Orange County went bankrupt. And because of that, it was difficult to sell your house mm-hmm. at the time. So we wound up doing a short sale. Moving back here to start over, raise our kids in a different area. Uh, And I've been here ever since, man. And it's crazy because, you know, it it seems so far from home and, uh, you know, in terms of an area that I would want to choose or be in, I would never have thought Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. ever. I thought, I mean, that's the the last place I would have thought of. But here I am. And it's odd because when I go back to L.A., it doesn't feel like home. This feels like home. And when I come back here, it's like, ah, I'm home. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've been here 21 years. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of it. But um, I just hope to God that I never talk with the Boston accent, you know? (laughs) Park the car. Park the car. It's a wicked pisser. 
Please, please don't ever let it's that happen. It's funny because I'm, I'm good friends with a couple guys from Boston. John Cena's from this area, yeah. and so is Eli Roth, the director. And both of them don't have the accents. I think they've worked hard to get rid of that because it's so ab- abrasive. It's not it's, New York. It's very, it's very hard. Yeah. A, a very hard accent. <laughs> and my um, my mother in law back back in in the day, she had that accent as hard as it comes. And it was funny because we used to go to dinner with her, and she would ask the waiter uh, to get her. A, a fuck and <laughs> we would always kind of like <laughs> I just had to take a second to think about that our mean? heads would spin you know that's how thick her accent was a fox, yeah, yeah. A and, fox um, and a spoon exactly right. <laughs> so you know man I, I haven't got the accent yet and a lot of people from this area that I know that were born and raised here don't have the accent mm. I think it depends on where you're from what part of the New England yeah. you're from yeah it's great because like I said I haven't I, we've talked a few times on the phone and text all the time but I haven't actually seen you since your wedding which I'm was, getting old, aren't it's I? It's crazy. Both of us are. <laughs> but I'll never forget that. It was funny because you had a DJ there, and they were playing Living on a Prayer, always a huge hit. And I was listening to you sing it, and at the high part, of course, you had to show off nah, and sing nah, it like dude. A, a, an octave above. I was, I was like, what the hell is this guy? just a freak, man. <laughs> no, man. I, it's, it's funny because, by the way, you've seen the uh, – I just saw the Bon Jovi video of him singing "Living on a Prayer." Poor guy, man. He's at a wedding and and he gets uh, some girl singing it, a wedding band, and, and and not doing a very good job of it. And you can tell he's there to just have fun. And they oh, get him up. He was at the wedding. He's at the wedding. Oh, jeez, yeah. And they get him up to sing "Living on a Prayer," and I'm feeling for him the whole time he's singing it. <laughs> but uh, I remember that our wedding was fun, man, and uh, we had a good time. Yeah, wow. it was great, man. Awesome. It was cool for me to be there, and it's 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 happened over and over again where you get a chance to like you know as as a kid being a huge Striper fan, and then ending up at your wedding, and then we're friends. It's a pretty it was a pretty cool moment for me. I was like, yeah, I get to always to weird to hear you say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. I don't know why. I mean, that you're a huge, you were a huge striper yeah. fan growing up. That's always strange for me to hear anybody say, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It just is. But I, I'm always a little surprised by it. But there's a lot of people that are. Like I had an in-depth conversation with a guy called Howard Jones, who was the singer of Kill Switch Engage. Oh yeah. Now he's the singer of The Devil. You know, hugest striper slash Christian metal fan I've Crazy. ever met. Crazy. And you'd never, you'd never guess. Like certain guys just were big striper fans throughout the years. It it always blows my mind and and, and as we go along further down the road uh, we meet more and more people like that you know where the the last person you would expect to be a striper fan and they're in the corner quietly hanging out and they'll say yeah, we're a striper fan. You know, it's mm-hmm. like what? You but know? why does it blow your mind? You guys were massive. Well, you know, it, it was... it, I don't know why. I I mean, I guess because of what we stand for and how we did it. Mm-hmm. You kind of expect because it's so against the grain. You kind of expect hardcore people like that, or at least how you perceive them. Someone like John Five or someone like that, right? To hear that they're a fan and they caught a Bible, it's like what? Mm-hmm. You know, come again. It's it, it's always surprising for me. It just the, the, it, it just the, is. The thing with with Striper too, though, is whether you were a Christian or whether you weren't, like musicianship wise, well, like you couldn't deny. Like I said, like the double harmonies that you guys played, nobody was doing at the time, unless you're talking about like German power metal or something like that. Well, you know what, man? We that's the one thing about us. I mean, love us or hate us, and you know, a lot of people did love the band, and a lot of people hated the band. But that aside, we always worked really hard and strived 
uh, to perfect our craft. Mm -hmm. That was really, I mean, I remember some of our friends in bands would rehearse for an hour and they'd say, hey, we're going out now and call me on the phone and say, you want to go out? And I'd say, no, we're rehearsing. And we'd rehearse for another two or three hours. We were always built that way to go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. And I think that paid off in our sound mm -hmm. and performance and the way we presented ourselves musically. Uh, so, you know, there are those people that can't ever admit that. You know, sure. Do you find? Let me ask you this: Did you? And this happens with with us with Fozzie quite a, quite often, that we almost have to work twice as hard to get people's respect because I'm in the band and all. Oh, it's the wrestler band. Did you get that for? Oh, it's the oh, Christian yeah. band. Oh yeah, right. All the time, and still do. I mean, and I think that the sooner we let go of the having to prove ourselves the better right. off we are and the problem is is i haven't been able to let go of that yet mm -hmm. there's always this sense and maybe that's why i'm so busy and i'm always doing something is is uh, it almost feels as though i have something to prove i don't mm -hmm. but it almost feels like i do and you know um hey man it, it's it's something that's never going to go away. But like I said, it almost gives you a complex sometimes, right? Yeah. It does give me a complex. I mean, you know, I, I always say when we go perform on a, a death metal festival or, a, a, you know, an overseas metal festival where we don't belong typically, uh, it, it psychs me out because I think, oh, man, you know. For the Christian guys, you know, oh, my God, you know, and I, it makes me get nervous and almost to the point where it affects my performance. And it's like I've done this my whole life and you'd think that I would be over that, mm -hmm. you know. So what do you do? Let's say if you do do a festival, there's a lot of death metal bands. How do you approach that day? Oh, man. I mean, you just kind of we, we pray a little more <laughs> and we, you know, we try to keep a good positive attitude. I remember we did a festival not long ago overseas. It was pretty much all like dark metal bands, you know, mm -hmm. and Anthrax was headlining and we were going on after Anthrax, which is always weird to me. Oh, yeah. They have the headlining band and then they have like the later band as people are kind of either filing Ex away or going exactly. back to the tents or whatever it may be. Right? Ex exactly. And it was funny because Anthrax played and there was a full house outdoor festival full house i think they went on like at 11 30 or midnight or something we went on like at 1 a.m 1 30 and it was like half of the crowd poof gone you know yeah. and that's a psych you know that's like sure. a mental oh my gosh but you know what we always just go and we tell each other this before the show we tell each other this during the day give our all give our all no matter what one person a million people mm -hmm perform with everything and and we did that night you know it was raining crowd was leaving after anthrax and all these dark metal bands all day long we went out and gave our all and you know what it was a great show do you do you pick um like heavier songs and and, and put the set together that way specifically oh, yeah. right yeah oh yeah absolutely i remember there was a, a a festival we did back in the 80s we got there and uh we the first thing we saw getting out of the van i told this story before but was were guys being carried away on stretchers and we're like what the hell is this <laughs> and and then as we got out of the van we're going in you know you just saw guys fighting and it, it, just, it was a bloody mess and i remember thinking what did we get ourselves into why did our agent book us here we were playing with raven and testament and, mm -hmm. and i'm thinking what and we had i think together as one in the set and you know and boom we changed the set immediately yeah, right uh, so that happens often where we'll change the set according to the show. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. As you have to. We did a festival. It's called Bloodstock. No, no doubt. In England. <laughs> and, you know, our style is much more akin to Striper. It's very melodic hard rock, but there's some heavy elements. But the other bands, Exodus was before us. Anthrax was after us and Slayer was the headliner. Oh. So then <laughs> the review in Metal Hammer came out and said Fozzie was as heavy as lettuce. So I got a drum tech to put a head of lettuce, lettuce in a box. Lettuce is heavy, it's man. Heavy, man. It can be heavy, lettuce man. is hardcore. So I got a drum tech to put a box of uh, a head of lettuce in a box and send it to Metal Hammer and say thank you so much for your review. It's like you got to just go with it, right? You do, man. You know? And 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 I guarantee that you guys kicked a double S. Yeah, you know, cuz the people still like having a good time and enjoy the the rock show element no matter how heavy or whatever it may be. Absolutely. You just have to do your thing like you said and be yourself. Do your thing and go out there and just hope for the best. And, you know, the thing at the end of the day, too, we always got to remind ourselves is we're never going to please everybody. That's right. I mean, not everyone is a, a fan of that style of music or our style of music or, the, you know, so and not everyone's a fan of Anthrax. Yes. I mean, you bring Anthrax to a Striper show. They're going to get booed off the stage. <laughs> right. You know, so, I mean, it, it works both ways. Depends. And that's the thing with the festival. It's always great to have your own fans there, but you got to play to a lot of people that have never heard of you before Absolutely. or don't know what you're up, what your deal is. So that's yeah. part of the, the appeal, I guess, of doing it, yeah, the challenge. That's, that's that's the way you got to think of it, but it's not easy to think that yes. way when you're in the war. Yeah, and there's a bunch of guys just standing <laughs> with their arms crossed. You're like, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, we opened for Motorhead once, and it was like that. It was just like, yikes. Here we go. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. All right, Michael Sweet's new solo record is One-Sided War, and it's kind of like another album in this, I'd say, I don't know, late career, mid-career resurgence in the work you've been doing, because your last four or five records have been amazing, one after another. You've been very Thank prolific you, over the last five years. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. I, I try, man. I, I, You know, no matter what style my albums are, solo albums, because I, I tend to be all over the map of solo albums. Mm-hmm. I'll do an album that's real light. I'll do an album that's hymns mixed up. Ago. Yeah, it, it's all over the map. This album was all about being heavy and, and more guitar-oriented. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted to kind of put to rest all the naysayers that always say in a negative light, uh, you know, I like Striper, but it sells up. Eh, it's it's light, you know. It's not as heavy as Striper, so I kind of wanted to put that to rest on this album. Uh, I'm excited about it. 
it's 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 an album that at least at this point in my life I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. it has a lot to say musically. It has a lot to say lyrically, and it just it, it came from my heart, man. And I'm really proud of the album um, in a humble way. It's very it's very heavy. It's, it's a great record in a, a non humble way. I mean, it's super heavy. People, Thank you, buddy. Like if you like the heaviest of heavy striper songs, like the rain and, and uh, uh, rock the hell out of you and those type of things. It's got that style, like some up tempo, very rock that makes you roll. That type of stuff for sure. Yeah, and it's it's got that. It's got that energy and i brought in some different players i you know as a guitar player i've always wanted to kind of as we were saying earlier prove prove ourselves i always wanted to prove myself as a guitar player but as i started uh, working out solos for these songs i started realizing like it just started sounding more and more like striper mm-hmm. does that make sense that's your style well it's yeah it's and your it, tone of guitar the it's tone and, and my style of playing i'm like oh this is just going too far down that striper road so that's why i made a decision to bring in a couple extra players mm-hmm. so i brought in ethan brosh who's a local guy from this area and I brought in Joel Holkstra, mm-hmm. and they just killed Joel's it on a bunch Snake of now and ah. was in Night Ranger and TSO and yeah, unreal. And two great players, like for example, Ethan is on the track Bizarre. Mm, okay, that's him. So that's Ethan soloing, and then on the song Radio, it's Joel. Got it. So they have two completely different styles, but they're both at that same level. But you know what's funny about Ethan? I've known him for years because I met him at the Nam show. Oh, you know Ethan. 2010. He always he's a he's a big fan of, of ours and was always coming hanging out, giving me his CDs, giving me his card. Yeah. And Rich and I, Rich Ward and I went and watched him do one of his seminars at Nam, and it's like, right. holy smokes, this guy. Oh, he's great. Is he from? I don't know. If, is he from Israel or something? Uh, I think or? he is from Israel. Yes. But he is a killer player, man. Unbelievable. He's, he's like if you mix George Lynch. With Warren D. Martini, maybe a little Steve Vai, a little yeah. He, he's got this really cool style of playing, and I love it too. Like he showed up, he was wearing his leather pants with his cowboy boots on the outside, and like eighteen bracelets, and totally loves the eighty stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's really. <laughs> it's funny because it was at one point he wanted to join Fozzie, and we thought about it, but it was just on the other side of the country or whatever it was. But he's he's a great player. I was really excited to see his name. How did you get in contact? with well, him? Well, you know what, I've I've. Uh, I met Ethan the first time at a Striper show years ago. Okay. And I'm like, eh, you know, this guy, who's this guy, you know? And yeah. uh, Oz knew him, introduced him to me, and we hit it off, and I followed his career, and I just thought, man, this guy's such a great player. Mm-hmm. It's so sad because guys, so many times guys like Ethan, they get overlooked. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's a big music world out there and a lot of talented people but ethan's one of those special guys and and not only a player but a, his heart as a guy yeah he's just a great person so i called him first guy i thought of when i when i wasn't cutting the mustard on the solos is that hard for you to, to admit to yourself that you're not cutting the mustard on your own record it wasn't okay it wasn't because I looked at it in a different light. I didn't look at it that I can't handle it. I looked at it in the way that I didn't want to handle it. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I just, I, I was coming at it from a producer point of view. And I realized, you know what? If I get Ethan and I get Joel, it's going to take it to a whole different place. Mm-hmm. And that's what's best for the album. Right. So that's what I did. Is that always important? What's best for the song? What's Absolutely. The album? No doubt about it. And mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, even if that goes vocally, if I'm sitting there singing a song and I can't do a certain harmony part or a high part or something, I'll call someone else and say, hey, can you do this? Or, you know, Oz, can you sing this part? Or, I mean, you have to look at it that way. And 
as I said earlier, kind of humble yourself and realize that what's best for the song, what's best for the album, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and and, the, and how about Joel? Where did you get in contact with him? Just seeing him around? Or? Joel, yeah, Joel and I met uh, a few years back, and uh, I just love him. I think he's a great guy and uh, always want to do something with him. As a matter of fact, we're going to do an album together. Full great. Album. Yeah, and we're going to go – I want to go back to more of like a, a classic rock, like – a la Zeppelin mm-hmm. kind of vibe, mm-hmm. like that that Zeppelin-y white snake kind of thing going on. I don't sing anything like that, but um, we're going to probably start work on that album next year. I'm guessing because that's something else that's been going on. Is that through Frontiers? It will be at least that's who we've talked to about it, <laughs> but. We're not contracted yet with Frontiers. Gotcha. So, I mean, I'm one of those guys where I try not to burn bridges, but I keep an open mind, uh, you know, obviously to how it's done. If if Frontiers isn't doesn't have the vision or isn't able to, you know, make it happen in terms of financial, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's got to be done right. Mm-hmm. And if it if it can't be done right, I'll talk to another label about it. You know, it's not like I'm only going to work with Frontiers. But that's kind of Frontiers thing because they were talking about the Sweet Lynch record, which is another great record that you just released of putting like two guys yeah. together that you would never expect, but yet it fits perfectly. And that was you know another example of that. They do that a lot, right? I think Frontiers is kind of owning the market on that. They they really doing a lot of supercars. The problem is though, is you know, no disrespect to Frontiers whatsoever, but, you know, it can be overkill, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes... So many of them. So many of them, and sometimes some of them don't really work. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be really good. You want to make sure that there's a chemistry between the guys that are working together. And if there's no chemistry, it's kind of pointless. Was it hard, like, when you put together this record? Because I'm talking about the Sweet Lynch. I remember you and George, and I think it was James Lomenzo and Brian Titchy. Yeah. That's a great band is it hard to know it's just a one-off record and you're not going to be doing shows with it and it is but i mean at the same time the plans are to do another album okay and to do some shows i mean it was really sad i i'm not a big fan of albums that are released by super groups quote unquote and then they don't tour yeah it's I a mean, shame it's kind of sad and we wanted to tour on sweet and lynch one but we just weren't able to make it work because of everybody's schedules George is just so busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm busy well, too. So are you, yeah. George is like in like 10 bands, mm-hmm. you know. I'm in three or two or whatever. <laughs> George is just ridiculously busy. But we are definitely doing another album. As a matter of fact, we're, we're working on a deal right now. And uh, the plans are to start recording the next Sweet and Lynch album at the same time the Striper album's getting done, which is January, February. Another Striper album. We're going to do them at the same time because the reason why I want to do that is I'll be producing both and I want to track with the same drum kit at the same studio Mm. around the same time. So how, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the story of like, where do you get your ideas? But I mean, you've done, if you go back, let's say, Revelation, Fallen, Sweet Lynch, I'm Not Your Suicide, uh, One-Sided War, now you're talking about one with Joel and one with George and another's, like, do, do you have a, a cachet of riffs stocked up? No. Or do you just sit down and let the riffs flow? Because all of these records are quality. It's not like there's a lot of filler on these records. You know what it is, but it's, it, my mind works in a really weird way. And it, it's, it's sad for the people who are close to me. Because because I'm I'm um, when it comes time to do an album, that's all I do. It's like a hundred percent of my of my attention. Mm-hmm. So my wife and my daughter and my son and my family they get neglected. Mm-hmm. My dog, my cat, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's kind of sad because uh, you know it's it's a it's it's a, a curse 
and a blessing at the same time. And that's the way it works. My my head works when I, when it comes when I get in song mode. I I can't give you attention. It's really weird because of my ADHD, my you know the way my mind works. I can only focus on that, and maybe that's why. Thank God it turns out okay because I'm able to focus so much on it and get it done. The, the way it works with me for, for writing, like I haven't worked on a song since the uh, the solo album. But if I got a call tomorrow and there was a label that said, man, we want an album, I'd go into my studio for two weeks and I'd write the album. And I would hope that it was good. Mm-hmm. You know, but there, there might be some filler on there. I mean, I'm not going to crank out good songs all the time, but God's given me a gift to be able to write albums quickly and to kind of come up with riffs quickly and riffs that people seem to like. So I'm really blessed with that ability, at least for now. Mm-hmm. You know, I also thank God for it every day because at any given time that can go away. I mean, I could wake up tomorrow, and, and as they say, the well could run dry. Well, yeah, and and that happens. It happens. It absolutely happens. And I pray that that doesn't happen with me. It hasn't yet. Because mm-hmm. you see that sometimes, like even like take a guy like Paul McCartney or, oh, yeah. or Eddie Van Halen, like so many classic songs, and then they'll go through a dry spell. Like even the last Van Halen record, which we've discussed in the past, it was mostly older riffs. I know. And it's like Eddie, like you would think he would have a thousand riffs, but sometimes. It, it happens. It goes away, right? Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, you got to, you know, I, I, I give thanks to God, man, daily. And not to sound, you know, over preachy here or anything, but, man, I'm, I'm just thrilled that I still have the ability to do what I do and do it somewhat well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't run out of riffs yet. And I think because I clear my mind, like I'm not writing every day. And I clear my mind for six months. Then it's, I go and write an album. The ideas are overflowing. And that's just the way it works for me. But you've produced all these records, too. I have. I've produced all the albums and uh, booked the studios and budgeted the, the money. Well, my wife helps me with that, mm-hmm. too. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really into producing, and I always have been. But I think because I'm a musician and I'm in the band, it's really impossible for people to uh, take that serious. Well, is it, it, do you miss that collaboration? Or is there someone who's going, like, this part could be better? Or are you just kind of like... Do taking care of everything that's the way it is I, well no i'm open to hearing ideas and in, in, in the like for example our engineer danny mm-hmm. he's always saying hey man why don't you try this and i'll say oh that's awesome danny you know that still happens that stuff takes place but you know um i love producing man i just love getting in there you know i'm the guy that gets if we have the room booked from noon to 10 i'm there at 11 to 1 a.m gotcha it's just the way it is and all the other guys are in their bedrooms Mm -hmm. on their computers you know uh, and i'm in there in the studio it's the way i'm built is it i'm not gonna say is it hard but i mean obviously you, you you are the artist and doing what you need to do but let's say you're doing striper and then you say guys i'm gonna do some solo stuff for a while you guys got to go find some other gigs is that kind of hard because you're kind of like the the shepherd in a lot of ways for the band because what you what you your your flow dictates what the band is doing it is a little bit hard i mean i don't ever go to them and say guys i'm gonna do this but i do feel a little guilty when i do do that mm-hmm. like when i when i go do a solo solo album for example if striper has three months off i can't sit for three months and do nothing mm-hmm. i'm just i'm not wired that way i i love to be doing something constant i drive my wife insane because <laughs> she's like mike michael you you're releasing an album in two weeks 
and you're already booking the next album, I'm like, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. how I'm made, you know. So for let's say for Striper, do you, you want to do kind of a schedule of an album every two years? Cause yeah, that's what it seems like we're. Yeah. I think that's good. An album every year, I think, would be too much, and that way it allows me to do an album every year, every mm-hmm. two years, excuse me, right? Uh, alternating, uh, either solo or Sweet and Lynch or Joel Holkstra or something like that. You know, so it's kind of nice. So as long as I'm doing an album every year. I'm great, man. I'm happy. But it wasn't like that, like in the 2000s, like when Striper put out the uh, Reborn. It'd been a while since you guys had done anything, yeah. yeah. And then there was some breaks in between. But it just seems like over the last five or six years, it's been bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I think that that time off, the time that I took off uh, from '95 to like 2000. And I, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life, basically, musically speaking. Um, I came to the realization in 2000 when I did the album Truth that music was definitely my calling, you know, and for sure my life. So that's when it really began for me to go after it. And, and, and my view is I'm 53 years old before I know it, I'm going to be 63. Yeah. I mean, 10 years are going to fly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know what? Do everything I can do while I have the time to do it. Right. Just get it in as much as I want to do. Who cares if it's three albums a year, mm-hmm. you know, or if it's if that's what's coming out of me. Hey, man. Awesome. Just go with it. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the songs from the record because, like I said, it's very heavy. There's some great stuff. You mentioned radio before. I love the lyrics of it. It's uh, It seems like, – explain what, what it's about. It, that song is, begins with me, uh, it, it, and, it, and then it, it trickles down to all the other guys, the rock dudes that have gone to Nashville trying to be country dudes. <laughs> you know, I think it's kind of funny, and you know, I've done it. I've tried it. Oh, you tried to do the Nashville route? Well, yeah. I, I didn't really try. I've gone to Nashville and written uh, okay. with country writers. I released uh, a, a country song on my last album called Coming Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, not that I have a better excuse than the other guys, but I grew up in a country family. My dad wrote a number one country song. I played on his sessions when I was a kid. I mean, so country, literally, I grew up around my whole life. But that being said, uh, I think it's kind of funny sometimes, some of these guys that go to Nashville, and all of a sudden, they just decide they want to do country. Right. And I don't know, man. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it all the time. Maybe it's just me. I, and who am I to say anything about their career because they have that right? We live in a free world, and God bless them, man. I, I hope they they make it big as country mm-hmm. artists. But it's still kind of odd to me. So this song is a parody of that. It's just a funny, uh, comical lyric. Like the the chorus is, "I'm gonna write a country song, and it won't be long till I'm on the radio. And when it goes to number one, I'm gonna fake the fun like a clown in a rodeo." <laughs> and it's just it's supposed to be funny, yeah. you know. Uh, and I hope people laugh at it. And, and get what they're supposed to get out of it. It's a great song. I love the tune. I love the riff. And the video, you all got cowboy hats on. <laughs> and it's funny in the video. Very good friend of mine, actually, in a bandmate of mine, Todd Kearns. Oh yeah, based of the video. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I think actually I might have dropped his name to you. Yeah, you a did few years ago. You did, and I love Todd. And uh, but Todd didn't play bass in the record. He didn't play bass on the album. Actually, I asked him to, mm-hmm. but he was very busy. He's got a lot going on. He was doing the slash thing. Yeah. Yep. And, and it just didn't work out schedule-wise. So I had a guy named John O'Boyle play. Mm. But Todd, man, Todd's a killer player and a killer singer. Great singer. Oh, my gosh. Great singer. And a great guy. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, what a what a sweetheart! But uh, man, yeah, he was in the video. He lives in Vegas, and he was he was available. I'm really glad he is and and was. Um, and the video, what it is it, when you see the whole video, it's the other three guys are rock dudes looking cool in their their you know expensive cars, and I pull up in a pickup truck with a cowboy hat, and I'm trying to convince them, let's go country. <laughs> So it's it's actually a really fun yeah. video. <laughs> is is this lineup? Is could you do some shows? I'm sure you want to do some solo shows because there's been so many. Like we mentioned, even I'm not your suicide. You didn't yeah. do any shows for that. Yeah, totally. You know, I want to. I mean, I want to. Again, it's really hard because like Striper's touring all year, mm-hmm. so it's it's impossible for me to do it this year. Uh, next year, I want to do it, but then again, I got to think of Striper. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do I put Striper on a shelf because we're doing an album, and then right. I tour? So does that mean Striper doesn't tour all Striper's year? Striper's obviously going to get booked for for a bigger financial price yeah. than Michael Sweetwood. Exactly, right? yeah. and Striper Striper is uh, the priority. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and lie to myself and 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 believe that it's not, and and it should be, but I do want to do some solo touring as well. I really do, and I have to. I mean, I got to. I I haven't toured solo man since I think you saw us at the House of Blues. Like, what was it, two thousand, two thousand and one? Yeah, but that was Striper. Was that Striper? Yeah, the last time. Okay, so that was oh five, maybe okay, or oh three. Anyway, I remember ninety four. You were touring. You came to Knoxville, and I wanted to go, but I think it got canceled or something. You were playing with Dennis Cameron. Oh gosh, from yeah. Angelica, Canadian yeah. Christian band. That's really obscure. Howard Jones would yeah. know who that is. Yeah, <laughs> dude. He's, Dennis is great. Yeah. And a fellow Canadian. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, from I think Ottawa. Uh, yeah, Dennis is one of those super underrated yeah. guys. Yeah. Oh man, what a, what a great player. I love his style because he's got a little bit of the flash, but he's so tasty. Yeah, he was. A, that was a great band. I mean, like I said, that's some real obscure Christian stuff, but it was it was good stuff. Awesome. That, those were the fun times. But, man, the last time I toured was like 2000, 2001. I've got to get out there and tour again and play these solo songs. I, a lot of these fans want to hear them. They keep asking me if Striper will add them mm-hmm. to their set. And I say, mm, that's probably Political quagmire not. there, right? <laughs> we have trouble trying to do all the Striper songs. So much great stuff. Because we yeah. mentioned Revelation and Fallen have both been killer albums yeah, with great man. tunes on them. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and add solo songs, you know, mm-hmm. when we when we're not playing you know right. stuff from in god we trust or against the law i mean that's not going to go yeah well. like you said 10 percent would go nuts <laughs> and the other night would be like what the hell are you doing exactly what is this? but you know mentioning striper and 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 there's been a real resurgence in the band over the last five or six years yeah. where, where did you, where, why do you think that's happened well i think you know i can only say in my opinion that it's based on the consistency of the band we're very consistent. And I everyone wants this title, but I think we are the hardest working band in, in rock. <laughs> Show business. But whatever. I'm sure there's someone else out there that works harder. But I think it's based on consistency, and I think it's based on um, quality. We really, really, really try hard to turn in and turn out good albums. You know, if if it's not good enough these days, we're not going to turn it out. We're not going to it's not going to get released. We're going to make it good enough and then release it. I mean, if I listen to an album and there's one song on there that I'm just like, this is just not good. Mm -hmm. We're going to replace it. We'll go back in the studio and record something else, replace it, then release it. So that's the mentality of the band. 
You know, we're not just going to put stuff out there. And I think you've, it's funny because I think when Reborn came, you're still like, well, let's do like maybe a little bit more of a modern vibe. And then the, the Murder by Pride, there's a little bit more of the screams and the, yeah. and the slowly getting solos. a little more. And then Revelation was just yeah. like, boom, this is yeah. my striper, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I would not have uh, released Reborn in today's times. Mm hmm. That to me has way too many uh, issues. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the production on it. I don't like some of the songs on it. It was really a solo album. Mm -hmm. It and sounded like more. Of a, of it was. Style, yeah. It was a solo. It was an album that I did at my house, and then I played it for Oz. We did a gig down in, at Disney World, I think, and I played it for Oz. And he's like, "Oh man, yeah, I like this. This would be cool as a Striper album." Mm -hmm. That's where it began. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it was the quickest, easiest way to get a striper album out there. But that being said, I mean, I'm really pleased with uh, No More Hell to Pay. I'm really pleased with Fallen, and I'm really pleased with this latest solo. I'm sorry, I kept calling Revelation. I meant oh, no, no, no More no, Hell to cool, Pay. Man. No, yeah. Revelation's on No More yeah, Hell to Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, No More and, Hell to um, Pay. But, dude, I, I, I'm just really pleased with the, with the way things are going. We could, we could always improve. And we're going to, but I'm really pleased with the path we're on. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be happier. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Well, let's talk about something cool for uh, old school Striper fans with the 30th anniversary of To Hell with the Devil, which, unbelievable, that's been 30 years. Crazy. I remember going to Sam the Record Man in Winnipeg, Manitoba, first day <laughs> to buy it off the shelf, and there was a whole rack of them. <laughs> and now you guys are going to do a tour, uh, that album, a 30th Crazy. anniversary tour. Crazy. It really is. I mean, it's crazy and it's kind of scary at the same time mm -hmm. because it's it, you know it, it, it's a very quick uh, realization that uh, you know we're we're all going to go someday. Yeah, yeah. And thirty years have passed very quickly, and that means is the next thirty years will pass very quickly. So it, it's very important to savor every moment and to take advantage of every moment and and be a light in the dark. And you know what? That's what we try to do with the Hell with the Devil and every album. Uh, it's thirty year anniversary. We're going to go out. We got suckered into putting on the old outfits. <laughs> uh, I don't know who suckered us into doing that, but um, we were reluctant. And we did it in Japan. We went recently to Japan and did it. And, man, they loved it. With the costumes? With the costumes. And uh, I'll put it this way. We did two shows that had a great amount of people. Then we did that show, and it was sold out. So people went crazy for it. And um, Did you do the whole record? We did the whole album. In its entirety? Just how we'll do it here. Right. So start to finish, whole album, and then we added four or five songs at the end mm -hmm. for encores. But, man... It was a huge success. So, you know, taking that uh, into account, I think that that's going to apply here in the States, too. I hope it does. It's it, it's a great idea. And I'm laughing. These costumes have been in your closet for 30 years? <laughs> or where were they? <laughs> Oz's, yes. Uh, Oz's, yes. He had to have it taken out a little bit. Uh, Tim's, no. I forget what happened to Tim's costume, but he had to have it remade. Okay. Uh, so it's not the same. And it's funny because Tim's legs were made short. <laughs> and when I saw him in it the first time, I was dying, man. It was funny. But anyway, um, 
Robert's costume, some of it's the original, some of it's not. My costume, the entire thing is is remade. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is I had a break-in back in 94, and they took all my guitars and they took all my clothes. No. Yeah, they did. Somebody stole your costumes. They did, man, which was really, really hard to understand. You're listening, you son of a bitch. I know. I'm thinking, what what are you going to do? They probably went in a dumpster somewhere. I mean, you can't sell them. No, everyone's gonna know what they are. They know a Michael Sweet striper. Guitar. I know, dude. I I had two big wardrobe cases filled with all the clothes. Wow. They took both wardrobe cases. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so uh, I think I have like one yellow shirt, <laughs> and I have that jacket I wore in the Honestly video. It looks like a uh, uh, like a cow skin, black okay. and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I have. Wow, that's it. So uh, yeah, so I had to have the the outfit remade, and uh, we're ready, man. We're we put it on in Japan, and we're ready. How did you do it? Is, is it? Was it funny for Tim because he has shorter hair now? Is it weird? I wanted to put the. At least you still have long hair to put it on. You got the colors. You know? I think I, I think Tim has has commented a couple times that he felt funny in the costume. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was because of his hair or not. Yeah, but uh, he. I think he always felt funny in that costume because that's he's wearing the most uncomfortable costume or mm-hmm. outfit uh, because it's it's a one piece leather jumpsuit. I mean, so think of how hot. Right. That is. And it doesn't give. And he's pretty uncomfortable, man. I'm comfortable. You know, I'm like, yeah. You got yours remade. Right. Put some air, put some uh, holes in it. But let's go back to that time frame when you guys were about to make To Hell with the Devil. Because it was a huge, huge step for Striper. Your biggest record, I'm assuming. It was. It is. It took you guys from basically an independent level to a major level band. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, to give you an example, and I've also told this story many times, but I'll say it again. Literally, this is the truth. Uh, we were touring with soldiers under command, playing clubs, mm-hmm. basically, and sometimes Bronco Bowl in Dallas, you right? Know, yeah, like so two thousand level places. Yeah. yeah, and then we came out with the Hell with the Devil, and over a six month period, we went from clubs and theaters into arenas on that tour. And we went from under gold status with to hell, with uh, soldiers to over platinum status was to hell with the devil. And it felt like overnight. Mm. It really did feel like overnight. And I remember the tour got extended from like two and a half months to like seven months. It was insane. And we're, mm. we're out there on the road thinking, are we ever going to go home? Right. This is crazy. And I had my firstborn baby, Michael. And, and I'm just like, wow, this is unbelievable. Uh, bittersweet, mm-hmm. you know, bittersweet. But I'll never forget it, man. And that's the album to this day that solidifies the success of Striper, for sure. That is the album that everyone thinks of, To Hell With The Devil. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the signature classic Striper album, for sure. It's also a great, great album title. It is. Did you think of that? Or no, Robert that? Robert did. Robert thought of that. Robert thought of To Hell Is The Devil. And see, back in the day, <clears throat> Rob used to have a lot more input uh, on stuff. And people ask me, well, why doesn't he now? And well, he has the opportunity to mm-hmm. now, but he just doesn't for whatever reason. Like, for example, on this last album, Fallen, I gave him a couple songs. I said, dude, write the lyrics to these songs. Like four months later, hey, Rob. Hey, buddy, you got those lyrics? He's like, oh, man. Hey, bro, I've been tied up with other things. You know, it's like, okay, Rob, give me those. I'll write them. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Um, Did he write the lyrics for The Hell with the Devil? He, he co-wrote, uh, co-wrote the lyrics. Okay. And, and on Free, we did a lot of co-writing together back in the day. Free, To Hell with the Devil, Calling on You. Uh, 
the soldiers in the command, mm-hmm. quite a few lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, and Rob always came up with those catchy mm-hmm. titles. A hard day's night type thing, yeah. Absolutely. To hell with the devil, in God we trust. Um, I think he came up with soldiers in the command, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he came up with against the law or not. He might have. Uh, and that's why uh, I came up with No More Hell to Pay. When I told him that title, he's like, yeah, I like that. You know, it's it's more like the old. The striper. Type. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Striper-esque title. Yes. So what was the, um, like when you were recording this record and like you're putting it together, are you thinking like, okay, this this could be it or is it just another record for you at the time? No, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, going into every album. I, in the In the very deep back corners of my mind, I'm thinking sometimes, you know, this could be it, but not in a negative way. No, I man. I mean, I, I was thinking like, this could be it. Like this could be. Oh, it. oh, you meant you meant the, like the other I was thinking going. like this could be it. it we're over. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's that could be that as well. So, are you thinking this could be the end, or this could be something that takes us to the next level? I'm thinking both. Yeah. I'm, I'm always thinking this could be it because I, I don't take any day for granted, and and you know it could be over. I mean, something you know we don't know when our days are going to be when we're going to be called home or sure. especially as a band too you guys had a little bit of steam but it could be done how many how many exactly. bands had a great first album exactly. that just disappeared right afterwards exactly you know? and the thing is too I, I've said this before and I want to try to stick to it I don't really want to continue on without any one of us in other words if, if, if Rob can't tour anymore I'd like to call it a day gotcha you know if Oz same thing if Tim any one of us because so, there's a certain chemistry the four of us have and if we bring in another guy i just feel like it's not going to be striper well that's a rare thing that you guys have the original lineup too but how many bands can say that well think about it who can now you two aerosmith that's about it that i can think it's crazy i mean you could have said motley Motley but but they're they're technically broke up so i mean not very many yeah it's crazy. So, so to have that is something very special. But um, to health, I remember reading. I've never asked this before. Reading Metal Edge magazine in between the record, and there was a Striper poster that was in it, and the bass player was not Tim, right? And it was in the To Hell with the Devil costumes, right? Yeah. No, that was that was an odd situation in an odd time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write about that in my book a little bit. Tim might write a book someday and and, and have a different version of it, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm sure that'll happen. But uh, I'll tell you what happened from my perspective. Uh, you know, we wound up uh, having a different bass player play on the album because we felt like Tim wasn't going to cut it mm-hmm. quite like we wanted for the album, although he could have, and he's proven that point on recent but albums. But you didn't give him the shot even. Exactly, gotcha. exactly. We didn't really give him the fair shot to do it. So we brought in a different bass player, Brad Cobb, and then we brought in a different guy for the tour, Matt Hurick, who played for Leatherwolf. Wow, that's obscure. And it's funny because that one single picture, literally one picture, comes back to haunt us. To this day. Oh, man. We'll walk in. We'll be playing in Las Vegas or whatever, and they got posters plastered everywhere, and it's that picture with Matt Hurick. <laughs> One picture taken. Or the picture with Tracy Ferry. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I feel for Tim. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's got to suck, you mm-hmm. know? That's got to be like, oh, man, you know? Right. Talk about a wah, wah, you know? And it's like, it it, it, it just doesn't change, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Did when Tim because Tim came back when, as soon as the record was released and he's on the to hell the devil, uh, he's on the record and as far as his picture and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were able to like, come on, man. Exactly. What we did is we went back in with Niels Lozauer mm-hmm. and we retook photos 
uh, with Tim and it worked out and thank God Tim was, you know, um, you know, a decent guy enough to come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have just said, screw you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, was, was the costume he was wearing the one that Matt Herrick was wearing? It, it, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was. I'm quite certain That's it why was. That's so short. He's probably too tall. He had... <laughs> No, Matt was way shorter. <laughs> Tim was way taller. That's what I mean. So if you had to wear Matt's costume, it's going to be like, wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, Tim was gracious enough to come back. And, and and I'm glad he did because when we when we rehearsed with Matt, we knew it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It just – not just his playing. He played like Steve Harris for Maiden. Right. He's a great player. But it just didn't work. It wasn't right. You know, Tim was the guy and is the guy who's supposed to be in this band. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that's supposed to be in the band. Rob's the guy. Oz is the guy. It's the four of us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, just go back. I'm not comparing us to the Beatles. But just imagine someone being replaced to the Beatles back in, you know, yeah. in their heyday. Would that go over? Yeah, Probably not. Yeah. I mean, so it, there's something about the four of us working together that makes up this band. Was Matt a Christian? Matt was a Christian, yes. He was going to church. and, and Great guy. Yeah, 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 I just don't really know anything about him. Fantastic guy. I haven't been in, in uh, touch with Matt since those days. But, uh, you know, great player, great guy, and, man, no doubt a talent. But, you know, Tim, Tim's the guy he's that should guy. be in he's the, the guy's band. Yeah, for sure. When did you start seeing the record becoming a hit? Was the first single calling on you? First uh, video and single was calling on you. But when we it, it went through the roof was when Honestly came out. Mm. Just went. It skyrocketed, literally. Uh, and that became a top 40 single. So I you're talking it, about not just rock and roll. You're talking on the pop charts exactly it was on the pop charts and it, the power ballad you know we started getting lots of airplay and obviously we saw the numbers grow from the people coming to the shows to the album sales to royalty checks i mean it's mm-hmm. like you know the royalty checks were triple the amount you know i was able to buy a, a motorcycle instead of a bicycle you know so <laughs> it worked out <laughs> how influential was mtv on that Oh, so, so influential. I mean, I think MTV was the reason why so many of those bands broke as big as they did. Sure. No doubt about it. The TRL? Oh, yeah. Which was basically, yeah. for those who probably don't know, was a, a like a call-in vote show. Yep, yep. call-in vote show. And, I mean, the, MTV, here's the thing about MTV, though. For some reason, they uh, there was resistance in playing Striper. They never said, because you're Christian, mm-hmm. but they made up every other excuse that was just as ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I remember we sent in uh, the Honestly video, and we had a flag in it. We had a big flag on the screen in a couple scenes, and they said, it's too patriotic. Like an American flag? American flag. And we're like, too patriotic? That's <laughs> the stupidest thing we've ever heard. Right. So we had to appeal to them, and we did. We would go and re-edit and re-edit. It kind of, you know, caving in. Uh, but they wound up playing Striper videos and... Uh, in putting us in rotation before it was just the call in dial MTV countdown and they were forced to play us because of the fans but then they eventually started playing us in rotation as well hmm. so when you mentioned you went from mid-level theaters to playing uh, arenas who were you who were you going out with at that point in time oh man we did a lot of different shows we played with Zebra we played with um, Kicks hmm. we played with Hurricane we played with TNT uh, and Loudness on that tour. 
and this is you guys headlining. This is us headlining, and when we went into arenas, uh, we were with Loudness and TNT. That was a great tour, man. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a great bill. Yeah. Probably my favorite favorite tour. Really, we've ever done. Yeah. And why is that? Just because everyone got along, musically speaking, there was a certain spirit in the fans and in the bands. That was just hard to match. And some great guitar players in that tour. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we all got along. We all talked. We all hung out. We all did things together. We would go and buy remote control cars and build them together and, you know, go to each other's hotel rooms and talk. I mean, it was just Even cool. the loudness guys? Even the loudness guys. I mean, they, didn't, they spoke broken English, mm-hmm. but we really hit it off, man. I remember the drummer for loudness gave Robert his snare drum at the end of the tour. Oh, yeah. Signed it and gave it to him. And it's like, you know, there was, there was some friendships that really took root. I mean, I'm to this day really good friends with Tony Harnell. Yeah, he was on your last solo. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's really cool. And same thing with White Lion. Later on, we toured with them. That was fantastic. I saw that show. Uh, but, man, we, did, we played with a lot of bands. We played with Dio a couple times. Really? And, uh, we did, yeah. As a, as a just striper and Dio? We were, in, we were an opener. We were open wow. for deal. Yeah, it was cool. Did you get a chance to talk to Ronnie at all? Backstage, talk to him for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and that was the first time I met him. That was, I think, 1990, might have mm-hmm. been. What a sweetheart, man. Oh, my gosh. You know, he was so Great cool. guy. So humble, yeah. so nice, so accommodating, just a great guy. I don't know that we were the right band for to open for Dio. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, yeah. it was definitely an extreme matchup. Sure. But... Hey man, we we've played with a lot of bands over the years, and uh, you know we've enjoyed every second of it. Every second of it. How was it um, for you guys back then with the Christian community? Well, you know what? It, back then, the Christian community there, it, it was weird because it was there was the side that it was cut into two sides. One side accepted us with open arms; the other side rejected us mm-hmm. completely. And I'll never forget, you know, going and playing the Dove Awards in 85, excuse me, 86. and um, Which are the Christian Grammys, basically. Christian Grammys. And feeling that wall of people literally looking at us and then turning the other way. And, and you could just tell they wanted to get away from us. And then there were people that you wouldn't expect that came right up to us. Sandy Patty would never have expected Sandy Patty. I would have expected Petra to come up and sit with us and mm-hmm. say, hey, Sandy Patty came up and sat by us and said, hey, I love you guys. I'm praying for you. You're awesome. And we're thinking, wow, you know, Pat Boone, you know, came up and gave us hugs. And he's That's- like, I love you guys. You're <laughs> awesome. You know, it's like, wow, you know, this is cool. But why would there be resistance? I mean, that always blew me away because, for example, you know, talking back to when I was a kid, like Striper helped me become a Christian. Because of the way you looked, and it showed me that you know a rock and roll band that looks cool and plays cool. Right. This is a cool thing. You don't have yeah, yeah. to be embarrassed to be yeah. have faith. Yeah. You're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. I think the re- a lot of times it's fear based. I, I think we were so different in our approach, mm-hmm. unlike anything that had come out on the Christian scene at that time and total extreme. I mean, spandex and outfits running around screaming, big hair. I mean, people were probably like, that was probably the thing that they wanted as far away from as possible. Mm -hmm. And some of them might have gotten out of is that lifestyle, the rock and roll metal lifestyle. Then here comes Striper. And I think it scared a lot of people. I really do. At least that's the impression I got. Mm -hmm. And I think to this day, it scares some people. You know, they think, oh, you know, there's that mentality sometimes. I just heard a guy say it recently. We went and did an in-store. Yeah. 
at a, at a Christian bookstore in, in Oklahoma. And the guy said, hey, man, you know, I love you guys. But, man, first time I started listening to you guys, I, me and my buddy got together and we burned all our albums. And we, we, we were listening to Striper while we were doing it, you know. And I'm just thinking, that's <laughs> not what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. But okay, hey. Uh, but there's that mentality, mm-hmm. you know. Did you ever run into really some weird, like over the top extreme Christians that were? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, you or the guy that we uh, came to know God through, uh, Jimmy Swaggart. His people were over the top, really. Because yeah, we we in front of the television accepted Christ in front of the television through Jimmy Swaggart as kids or as, I was twelve years old, and then when we got older as Striper, he used to send his people out and protest against our shows. Every single show on the Southern Bible Belt, we'd go out, and there would be people from Jimmy Swagger with bullhorns. They are of the devil. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Do not go in. And it's like, oh, my gosh, the news would be out there. Wow. And we'd go out, and we'd, give them, we'd offer them tickets. We'd say, have you ever seen us? They'd say, no, we haven't. We'd say, well, how can you say these things about us when you don't even know what we're about? Mm-hmm. Why don't you come in tonight and check out the show? And some of them would, would take us up on the offer and come in. Some of them would not. Did you ever ever meet Jimmy Swaggart or have any connection, uh, communication with him at all? No. To say, hey, man. Never met Jimmy Swaggart. Met uh, Jim and Tammy Baker. Mm-hmm. Hung out with them. They were sweethearts. Yeah. They were amazing. I mean, they supported us. Came to a few Striper shows. Had us at uh, Heritage. You know, had a big spread for us. So they were they were just the sweetest people. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart never met him, man. Um, tried to, tried to do an interview with him back in the day. Tried to actually hook up with him to explain ourselves to him, but he wanted no part of it. And then not that long after that period is when he was he gets know, busted. He was busted yeah. for it's you know pants down. Or basically. You know, <laughs> I, I think it was at Bloodgood that Les Carlson said, you know, he was uh, he was caught with his own pants down. He better tighten up his Bible belt. <laughs> I love that. Tighten you, up your Bible belt. It's, it's true. And it, that's why it's so important, man. Don't judge. Mm-hmm. Don't judge. Yeah, it's OK to obviously, you know tweet or, or post scriptures to try to encourage people, and inspire people. But when you start judging and saying, you can't be doing this. You're going to go to hell, blah, 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 blah. Uh, chances are you're doing it yourself, mm-hmm. you know, or you're close to doing it or you're on a path to doing it or whatever. We're all human beings and we all are weak and we can all fall and we can all stumble at any given time. So I try hard not to judge, man. I really when do. You, met, you mentioned Petra before, like when you guys were starting out Petra and the Res Band, like the two other Christian rock bands, yep. did they ever give you advice or did you go to them for anything? Or No, never did. I mean, and, and I respect Petra and I, I uh, have nothing but great things to say about them, but I never really listened to Petra. They're not really, they're not our style of music. It was more... Yeah, I, I mean, honestly... AOR I, style rock I, or something. And again, no disrespect, but I... It'd be hard for me to to name a Petra song. Yeah. I mean, I I know they did a cover of God Gave Rock and Roll to You, but I mean, I'm not a Petra fan. I don't listen to Petra mm-hmm. because it's not my style it wasn't of music. Style, yeah. Exactly. But they're a great band. We did a show with them recently in Puerto Rico, and man, I went out to the side of the stage and watched them with my chin 
on the floor. Those guys are awesome, man. You'll love this. So uh, we have crew buses in the WWE where the crew, you know, they, they travel by, by tour bus. Yeah. And a couple times just recently, I'd see this guy walk by and I'd think in the back of my head, and once again, got so much information about nothing. I said, that dude looks like the drummer from Petra, Louis Weaver. Oh, yeah. You know, the blonde guy. Yeah, the yeah, hair. of course. So I see him a couple weeks later and I go on the bus to actually, I needed some Wi-Fi to send something. And he's on there. And I'm like, dude, are you the drummer from Petra? And he's like, how did you know that? I recognized <laughs> you instantly. And we had the best conversation. And he gave me some CDs, which he just happened to have on him. And afterwards, all the crew guys said, you made Louie's day by recognizing oh, him. Oh, yeah, dude. He flipped out. I was like, no, yeah. dude, I totally knew it yeah. right off the bat. Right? He's a great dude, and he's a great drummer, man. Louie's a great drummer. Uh, that's the thing about Petra is, you know, I think, I think where they shine is musically. You know, you, you've got so much talent in the band but they were hardcore lyrically sure. you know what i mean yeah. they were hardcore and um you know definitely more geared towards the church slash worship style of rock uh, definitely a contemporary christian band in every sense of the word sure, sure. striper wasn't that no we were a rock band that came out of the club scene and uh, changed our lyrics mm-hmm. you know in our message so that's that's where we came from we came from the streets we didn't come from the church you did know? you like any of the because you guys opened up a whole pack of, of of great christian bands did you listen to any of them oh yeah man i mean we toured with some that blew my mind i mean i always thought bride was one of the best christian yeah. bands because and i didn't realize that till we toured with them and i heard them live blew my mind i'm like These dale guys, thompson's one of the best rock singers you'll ever hear in unbe- any genre unbelievable so much conviction and energy and what a great voice but the band it groove in and i'm like wow these guys are amazing mm-hmm. um let's see who else i remember way back in the day we did shows with guardian who i always mm-hmm. liked uh they always kind of reminded me of uh, a couple other mainstream bands. They had a little bit of that vibe going on. That, Christian bands had that, though. Each band was kind of like another. Like Guardian, the first singer sounded a lot like Don Dawkins. Totally. White Cross was kind of like Rat. Absolutely. Bear Cross, who I love, but that was a very Maiden Priest type thing. But Mike Lee sounded just like Bruce Dickinson. A lot. You know, very much so. A lot. There was X Center, like you said, it sounded like ACDC. That's right. Uh, it, Guardian kind of reminded me of Tesla at times. He okay. kind of had that Tesla thing going on a little bit. Yeah. But, and it's funny because a lot of the labels, the Christian labels, would actually put stickers on the albums saying the alternative to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would actually do that. If you like Rat, <laughs> give this a try. <laughs> did you ever think about touring with those bands, or did you want to try and stay more with the mainstream to stay on that track? Our calling was always, over the years, we've had countless times of bands and labels coming to us, wanting their bands to tour with us, Christian. Mm-hmm. And we've always said no, because it's not our calling. You know, we've had Christian bands play with us before, but we find that when we do that, it's more of a Christian crowd mm-hmm. when we versus when we go out on our own and we have a, a mainstream band opening. It's more of a mainstream crowd, you know, mm. uh, so that's more our calling. It's it's we're, we're not a band that's ever really been here for the church. I mean, Christians come to our shows, Christians buy our albums and we're here for them. But I mean, we want to reach the people that aren't going to church. You know, right. we want to reach the people that. Yeah. Sure. That's just the way the way we're built. A couple more questions. One thing I wanted to ask about to hell with the devil is the uh, about the cover. Because oh, yeah. once again, talking about going to get the record, it was, you know, the the black cover with the striper logo which looked right. great. And then I start hearing about this other cover and then you, you see that and it's just an incredible piece of artwork. Yeah. Uh what happened with that? Well, I'll tell you what happened. That was the original cover. 
That was the limited. Was no, no, no. The angel artwork. It's it's an it's a it's angels pulling a guy out of hell and demons trying to pull him down. Exactly. Hell four time. four angels. Yeah. That all kind of look like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. A little bit. Super long hair, all muscular. Yeah, all muscular. <laughs> and we look just like that. We took our shirts off back That's then. Right, right, exactly right. like that. <laughs> but they they were casting Satan into the into hell, into the lake of fire. And there was a necklace being ripped off his neck and cast away, and it was a pentagram. Mm. And it was up in the corner of the album. And I remember uh that being released and shipped out and people freaking out. All the Christian bookstores were like, we're not carrying this. Yeah. Really? Literally. They banned it. Too they, extreme. They said there's a pentagram on it. We're not carrying anything with the pentagram on it. Wow. And we're like, well, you know what that is? That's the necklace being thrown away. Yeah. We don't care. It's got a pentagram. We're, we're taking it off the shelves. So we're like, oh, my God, we got to do something. So we decided to label and band. We called a meeting, and we decided to uh, print a new label, uh, print a new cover. cover. And we did. So the first printing actually came out as that. It did. And that's why there's so many of those around. Yeah, there's. I think there were 10,000 of them. Mm-hmm. I think they printed 10,000 initially. Might have been a little bit more, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure 10,000. And then we changed over to the black cover with the red tail with the devil. Uh, and obviously, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of those. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it, was, it was very interesting how up in arms I got. I don't think that would happen today. No. But back then, you're talking about 1986. So you got to think about that. Things have changed so much. In 1986, Striper was controversial. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. On both sides. Sure. On both sides. I mean, we were like this anomaly where people were going, what is this? Who is this? This yeah. is bizarre, you know? Right. And uh, we had to explain ourselves constantly. I mean, it's just it was just as extreme as like get, being a, a Venom fan, oh yeah, or an early Slayer fan. Totally, it was all the upside down crosses and you know the goats on the cover. Totally, you guys having yeah. the angels on the cover was yeah. just as, as crazy yeah. at the time. And instead of pentagrams at the shows, we had the no six six and the no yeah. devil, and, yeah. you know all this stuff. And... Yeah, you were just as, as extreme on the other side. <laughs> it's funny. I tried to find that cover for years, the original Tale of the Devil cover. And I remember one time even a record store ordered it, and I said, "Are you sure it's the original cover?" Yes, yes, yes. And they ordered it and it was the other cover uh, and like you know we ordered this i'm like i already got that one uh, on cassette too so so one of my favorite things is when the internet started coming i actually bought it online, yeah, yeah, yeah. Found so you it have it i have it yeah have you know what? i tell you what the original cover um signed i saw going for like i want to say like 2600 bucks yeah or twenty eight hundred dollars on eBay. I'm like, you got to be kidding! Me, but man. people pay for it, man. Crazy. You know, it's like I said, Richard Christie, who's you know uh, Howard Stern stalwart for years. You know, maybe, maybe I love is. him. He is the biggest striper <laughs> lunatic fan ever. You know, he he has every one of like I got a green copy of of uh, the yellow and black attack, and I got a red copy. I'm like, geez, dude. I love him. He told me the story about his first time seeing us. His mom took us took oh, him yeah, to the yeah. show, and he was just a kid. Uh-huh. I think he was like. I want to say like 10 years old or he was, he was a kid. And uh, he tells me that story all the time, man. And I was like, his eyes just light up. He's still, he's still it's like he a becomes a kid again. I'm like, that is just so awesome. I texted him this morning. I said, dude, you wait to hear Michael's new album. It's awesome. <laughs> the little striper network. Something very important. I got to ask this most important question of the day. How long did it take for you to do your hair in 1986? And <laughs> That's how did a close you, question. How did you do it? Oh, it didn't take me that long to do my hair. It took me maybe 15 or 20 minutes to do my hair. I mean, from from backstage before the show, during my ritualistic ordeal, 15, 20 minutes. Oz, 
took a long time. He actually had our uh, truck driver's wife, Barbara. She became his hairstylist, just his. <laughs> and it took her like over an hour to do his Why hair. Why so long? Because she teased it all up. You remember how yeah, big his yeah, hair was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She teased it all up. And teased it and teased it and sprayed it, teased it, sprayed it, and it took forever. It just took forever. But uh, our hair wasn't that long. His hair was super long. What yeah. did you do to get yours so high up? I just, it? yeah, I think I used the curling iron and teased a little bit, and then Aquanet extra super hold. <laughs> that was really an Aquanet. I right? don't use hairspray now at all. Yeah. Period. I you use, still like, got great hair. Too. I use I use product, but I don't yeah. use hairspray. But my brother still uses. I think he still uses Aquanet. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and I'm not that. I'm not poking fun. No, I think he does. You might have to go online to find that. Google it from like Australia or something. Oh, dude, you can get it. It's they still make it. I think it's different uh, labeling, but they still got it. Just <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this. It reminded me of this, this bit of recent press that you got, where people were saying that you look like Ted Cruz. So ridiculous. <laughs> So You're all over the place. You're on the front cover of like Yahoo and everything. Uh, my my old manager and my dear friend Dave Rose, he says, Hey man, in his southern accent, all press is good. That's press. right. It got you up there. <laughs> and you know what? I guess so, because it, it, it there was a lot of press that came out of that. But my first initial reaction was, What the hell? What is this? <laughs> How does this happen? <laughs> Oh, uh, and of all people, I got nothing against Ted Cruz, no. but I mean, I don't think I look anything like Ted Cruz, but whatever. The it's one I get all the time. Well, there's two that I get. One is bon, you got to get Bon Jovi, bon Jovi which I'll take any day. Yeah, totally. I see that, and I agree. The other one is uh, Gordon Ramsay, the crazy chef, the British. <laughs> this is terrible. This is raw. I'm like, maybe in 20 years. I don't see that well, at thank all. Thank you. I don't see the Ted. Cruz. I see the Bon Jovi thing. I think I said that to you once. Yeah. You definitely got the Bon Jovi thing, not the Gordon, not the Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay. No, 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 take no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> I get sometimes. I, I when I was a little younger, I used to get uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Achy Breaky Heart guy. Oh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. I used to get that, and I got which I don't see at all. I, I get Keith Urban, and then I started realizing it's this. It's the chin patch, and it's the hair. It, maybe. Didn't you used to get Boy George back oh, in the day? Yeah, but because I did that in the video. Yeah, well, that's right. Pulled I did the impersonation, back. and then I was Boy that George. Was it, Boy George that. forever. Yeah. <laughs> Final question, man. What's your favorite? Uh, it's hard to pick. I know, but what's your favorite song on One Sided War? If you had to choose one, <laughs> favorite song right now, as of today, on One Sided War, I'm going to go with uh, ooh, Golden Age. Great tune. I don't know why, but that's more my style of metal. Yeah, Priest, right. Maiden. Yeah, you know, up tempo. Golden What's your uh, favorite Striper song to play live? Ooh, right now, Yahweh. Oh, it's a great tune. We open with that. It's a great, great tune. It just that's, that's one of my, one of my favorites. favorite Striper songs of the last twenty years, Dude, last thirty years. I'm telling you, man, it really goes over well live too. People really love it. But I mean, the classic songs, I got to go with Soldiers. Probably mm -hmm. it's every time that song never gets old. Other songs get old. That one never does. It always song? feels like. First yeah. time feels like the first time. Is there a song that you hear like on a record that you've never played live? And you go, man, that's a pretty damn good song. If you ever check it out, a, a striper song. Yeah. Oh man. Gosh, I would have to go with uh, something from Against the Law. That's a great record. Yeah, man. it is. It is a great record. It's got a good energy to it. And I've said this, and I've gone on record. It's not my favorite album, mm. but it is a, it is a good album. Uh, I would say. 
maybe rock the hell out of you. That would that song if we played that song live, I think would make people freak out. Hey, there you go, man. That that's a that's got the energy, man. It Maybe does. Possibly bust it out at some point in time. Maybe. Man. You have to come up and sing it, though. I can't sing that stuff anymore. <laughs> There's no That's way. It's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's great talking to you, man. Always uh, always a pleasure. And One Thank Side you, of War friend. is an excellent record. And Dude. looking forward to seeing you uh, play them play live if you can. You're awesome, bro. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I'm here in your hotel room, man. I know. It's weird, right? What if I would open the door in a towel or something? <laughs> I'd be like, uh, you know what, dude? <laughs> no, come back. I'll, I'll call in. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks to Michael Sweet Striper, To Hell with the Devil, 30th anniversary tour. Like Mike said, wearing the old costumes, playing To Hell with the Devil in its entirety. Starts September 29th at Center Stage in Atlanta, going all throughout Florida, Louisiana, Texas, California, all across the states. Ends November 21st in Raleigh, North Carolina. You need to get down and check it out if you're a Striper fan. If you're a fan of a great rock and roll band, Striper is your band. And also, speaking of a great rock and roll band, how about a great rock and roll album michael sweet's seventh solo record one-sided war came out today it's a great classic heavy sounding record think dio judas priest it's his best solo album it's his heaviest solo album uh it's it's, it's even better than the last striper record i think so if you want to add this to your collection you can do it by going to amazon all right please use the talk is jericho links when you do that remember all my links are at podcast1.com click on the killer deals button in the top corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button i got amazon links for the united states States, the United Kingdom, and Canada. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. You can buy anything you want on Amazon. Use the Amazon links because it's not going to cost you anything, anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. Just go to Podcast One, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All right. And I know how much you guys dig Talk is Jericho. That's why I got the Jericho Network up and running on Podcast One. Keeping it 100 with Conan launched, uh, launched the network. It's kicking ass. It's a huge hit. Hilarious show. Great episode this week with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, uh, X Pac is on there, Juventud Guerrera singing a heavy metal song. Uh, lots of funny, funny stuff. Great character, great cast. Disco Inferno, KG, all the boys at Keeping It 100 with Conan. Go check that out. And if you're looking for more laughs and ridiculous stories, subscribe to the new Team Tiger Awesome Show. Uh, you can do that on iTunes. Episode number two is dropping this Sunday. The first episode was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, talking about the Olympics, the stank of the Olympics. I guarantee that Nick Mundy, Michael Truly, and Clint Gage will have you laughing your asses off. You've heard Team Tiger Awesome on this show with Who's Hot and Who's Not, with the Star Wars uh, Symposium with the Batman versus Superman. Uh, keep it running with Team Tiger Awesome. If you're looking for something funny, some pop culture ridiculousity, those are the guys to go to. Hit them up on iTunes. Subscribe to the Team Tiger Awesome show. Subscribe to Keep It 100 with Conan. Subscribe to Talk is Jericho. And do the Jericho Network a solid. Leave everyone a five-star rating, a killer review. That's how we judge who's doing great here uh, and who's doing great in the podcast. And you are helping me make this a huge, huge success, the Jericho Network. And thanks to all my sponsors, ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off the DDP Yoga program plus three free months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app and how convenient and great is that. Also, thanks to DraftKings. Use my promo code Y2J to play for free with your first deposit. Go to Indochino to buy a custom-made suit. They're so nice. Uh, I'm going to do one myself, I think, as soon as I'm finished doing this show. And also, TrueCar. Lots of great sponsors. Lots of great fans. Thank you guys for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And coming up next Wednesday... 
after over th- 25, almost 30 years, actually, I think it has been 30 years, the Misfits have reunited, and I got Danzig. That's right, Glenn Danzig is going to be here on Talk is Jericho. How many podcasts has Danzig ever done? How many interviews does Danzig ever do? Barely any. And we've got him here on Talk is Jericho on the eve of the Misfits' huge reunion. You want the biggest guests in rock and roll? You want the biggest guests in pro wrestling? You got them right here on Talk is Jericho. Danzig will be here on Wednesday. We'll see you then. It's going to be a dirty black Wednesday. Burn out and wear out and wear out. Yeah, boy. Wear out and wear out. It's just a dirty black Wednesday. Wear out and wear out and wear out. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. It's your last chance to get great holiday savings at Guitar Center. Like a Simmons SD550 electronic drum kit, just $3.99. Add your choice of AKG K52 headphones or a Shure SM48 mic, each just $39. Plus the newest and hottest guitars, drums, keys, and more. Exclusive gear you can't get anywhere else. Special financing, lessons for the beginner on your list, and gift cards. The perfect present for every musician. So hurry in and find your sound at Guitar Center. Trump's victory. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. It's always a lot of fun when you win. If you work hard and lose, that's not acceptable. At the White House, President Trump welcomed Republicans from the House and the Senate who passed a bill overhauling the tax code. The president says the middle class will be seeing the effects of this bill very soon. The typical family of four earning $75,000 will see an income tax cut of more than $2,000. They're going to have $2,000, and that's... In my opinion, going to be less than the average. You're going to have a lot more than that. The tax overhaul bill also includes a corporate tax cut. We have companies pouring back into our country, and that means jobs, and it means really the formation of new, young, beautiful, strong companies. Democrats have criticized the tax package as a giveaway to corporations and the rich. The tax cuts for businesses are permanent under this tax bill, but reductions for individuals and families will expire after a decade. I'm Ed Donahue. 